Okay, guys, let's turn to uh, John chapter 16. We're continuing on from our 21-day fast. And I'll read from verse 1. These things I have spoken to you so that you will not be led into sin. They will ban you from the synagogue. Yet an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering a service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. However, I did not say these things to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin because they do not believe in me. And regarding righteousness because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take me from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. Let's, uh, let's close there this morning. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So glad you could join us. Um, Jesus is making an introduction and explaining uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, in a lot of ways, uh, this, is, this is new to them. They, 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 it's hard for them to understand or perceive what Jesus is talking about. Because Jesus is the Messiah. And they have been waiting for the Messiah for generations and their whole lives. And now Jesus is here. He is the answer and the culmination of all their prayers and all their hopes in one. Jesus is there. It's like, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that on more than one occasion they were pinching themselves. Like, is this real? Oh my gosh, like, you know, he's the Messiah, this is God, like, as that revelation, it, it seems like as they struggle with that, as they struggle with that doubt, and then as that revelation and reality becomes more and more confirmed, and then, and then they're just getting used to the idea that, wow, he's the king, he's the Messiah, he's the son of God, I mean, that's all they need, that, that everything they ever need for the rest of their lives They've now put their hope in Jesus. They're now a follower of Him. Wherever He goes, He's going to lead. And it, it seems like just as soon as they finally got to the place where they can commit and believe, Jesus is now talking this foreign language. It's like, you know, great. Now I want you to know that I'm going to leave. What? Doesn't make any sense. Right? So I don't even think they computed that part. I'm going to leave or I'm going to die, right? And he kind of gives some foreshadowing of that. He kind of conveys that even to the core, inner core. I don't even think that registers, you know? I mean, try to put yourself in their shoes. They're so like set on, on who Jesus is. I don't think that part has registered. And then secondly, to be like, oh, and by the way, 
there's this spirit thing that's going to come. And he's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. Does that make sense? Right? And so, I, I, you know, I don't really think they're, they're like computing. I think Jesus is there. They're like, man, you're the answer to all our prayers. And like, we're going to do everything we can to follow you. Because Jesus, I'm sure that's what you want. And guess what? Even if you don't want it, we're not going to let you leave. <laughs> you know, even Peter at one point says that. He says like, I'm not going to let anyone touch you. That's how important Jesus was to them. And so then for Jesus to say, I'm out of here, you know, I'm going to be crucified, doesn't compute. And then, and then the second part of that, because you have to understand, you have to fully grasp the part of, I'm, you know, Jesus, my Messiah, my King, what? The, one day he's not going to be here? You have to fully grasp that then to really appreciate the fact that, oh, but by the way, there's this spirit thing coming. So, I, you know, I, I just don't think they understand it the way we do. We understand it because we haven't had a physical uh, a manifestation of the Messiah. We only know the scriptures. We only come to God because there's this move of the spirit in us and we profess him as Jesus. And so for you and I, we're, we're okay with the spirit. That, that, in fact, is what has drawn us. Right? If someone were to say, hey, look, down the street, Jesus is here. Then we'd be a little like, well, that's a little weird. But it's the opposite for them. For them, it's the opposite. For them, it's like they have Jesus. They have the Messiah. And now Jesus is saying, you know, he's going to be torn down like the temple and then and raised up again in three days. Oh, and then by the way, but don't worry. There's this helper spirit's going to come. And so, you know, I don't think they're, they're fully understanding. They're not going to get it until a later time. Um... In verses 2, it says, They will ban you from the synagogue in an hour is coming for everyone who kills you. They're like, what? But Jesus, you're here. Aren't you going to lead us out of uh, our dog days? Aren't you going to lead us out of oppression? You know, out of, out of the rule of our oppressors of, of, of the Roman Empire? Isn't that why you came? Isn't that why you're the king? Aren't you going to establish uh, uh, the, the kingdom of David once again? And, and I don't think they realize that God has a totally different plan they have a plan for Jesus for their lives. And I don't think they realize that God has a totally different plan. And so a lot of people are actually going to fall away. Including the core disciples. Because it just doesn't compute. When they understand Jesus, when they understand the Messiah, what they, what they understand it as, finally God is here. Now he's going to bring liberation, freedom, and all the joys that I don't have he's going to bring. Right? But what they don't realize is, I mean, he's not just here to save Israel one time from this one oppressor. He's here to save all oppression for all humanity, for all time and generations, from the grasp of sin and death. Uh, and so that is, uh, the scope of that is far beyond our national identity, our personal identity, our personal goals and plans. And so he says right up, you know, they're going to ban you. You're going to be ostracized. They're going to come after you. You know, uh, uh, being a follower of Christ in no way means or guarantees at any point. I don't think Jesus says it anywhere. Anywhere that your life is going to be better. So I don't understand how that permeates into our construct of, oh, I believe in God, so my life is going to get better. No. You for eternally are going to be blessed. You forever in God's presence are, are, are going to you know, gain the prize and the reward eternally. God's kingdom. And the invitation is even now, however good you think you have it or however good you think you want it, you can experience the kingdom of God now as you live. That's the promise. It's totally like upside down. 
right? God has not come to make your life better. God has come to make your soul eternally rewarded. Does that make sense? And so we got to flip the script, you know? Uh, 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 Jesus isn't here to answer our vision and goals for life, right? He's here to give us life and life abundant. Uh, and so I, I just think sometimes we need that reminder. Uh, it's not the comforts. It's not the prosperity. It's not the, the, the breakthroughs. It's Him. It's Jesus. A personal relationship with Him. And when you know how much He loves you, and when you know how much He wants to commune with you and fellowship with you, um, I, I think the whole lens of how you perceive and value things changes. How you see yourself. How you see, see yourself in the context of, of the world changes. And then you get healed. And then you get whole. It's not about having more materially. It's, it's you get blessed and all of a sudden everything's turned upside down. And now, now you're thankful for what you have. Right? And, 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 and there's all sorts of uh, uh, blessings uh, and dimensions and areas in, in ways that God shows you. It's not about more physically. It's not about more materially, right? Um, and, and Jesus you know, shows that ultimate example by going to the cross, right? He goes to the cross. Um, you know, another way to say it is grief is a part of life, right? We, we shouldn't be allergic uh, um, or despise grief or pain or struggle, especially if in that process it brings us closer to the Lord. I can't explain it. I, 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 um, there's so many situations that I feel ill-equipped. I, I don't know what to say, honestly. I, I was having a conversation just last night over dinner, and there are certain situations and my heart just breaks, and I don't have answers. I can't even say, like, this is, this is what, why God did this, or this is... Like, I have the answer scripturally, but it doesn't mean anything to that person at that time, you know? And so there's no real answers other than that sometimes grief is just a part of life. It's just there. But it's not forever. But if that grief serves to bring us closer to God, then God be praised. If in that, in our brokenness, you know, it causes us to cry out to Him, and in that brokenness, it causes us to, to come to this place, God, you're, you're all I need, you're all I have, you're all I ever wanted, then praise God. I think in some way you're getting a glimpse of what heaven in His presence is like. And again, it's not forever. But... You know, the idea of following Christ and life, you know, the struggles and the hardships being lifted and somehow, you know, in place of that, all the blessings and, and favor and breakthrough. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's a healthy mentality. I, I don't think that's, you, you put your eggs in that basket, you, you know, it's just not, you know, God blesses and we praise God and then we use those blessings to help others, right? And we're so blessed and we want to bless others. And same thing, when we're down, God blesses others, God uses them to then bless and encourage us. It's this, it's this communal aspect. Um, and then so he continues on and says, uh, but I tell the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. What? That doesn't make any sense. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus, God is here, Messiah. And now he's saying there's going to come a time where he's, you know, uh, uh, going to be crucified and, and, you know, taken away. And Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving. No way. I don't think there's a single person that would agree with Jesus on that at that point. No. Actually, Lord, it's better if you stay. Right, um, and so they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't understand what what the Holy Spirit is. Um, they'll they'll understand at a later time. Um, and and so then Jesus makes an introduction. He, he talks about all these wonderful things. He's going to come. He's going to give you guidance. He's going to be with you all the time in a way that even I can't be with you all the time. And so the, I'm sure, like, oh wow, something better. But what could possibly better be better than you, than right now? Um, and I think that's hard. 
I think that's hard for them to compute and swallow. I think it's hard for us. Uh, you know, we, get, we get comfortable. You know, the disciples are comfortable with their spirituality. They're comfortable with where they're at. They're comfortable with their relationship with God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like this is perfect. And then God once again comes and challenges them. And says, well, actually, there's a season going to come that's going to be different. And it might even be challenging. But I want you to know that you're going to be okay if you trust in me. Um, I think that's a great encouragement and reminder for all of us. Uh, that there are seasons coming where we might be stretched and challenged. Um, but we have to rely and trust in God. Um, you know, it's a beautiful picture Jesus is giving. Uh, you know, uh, as I'm, you know, our theme this year is exponential. So I'm, every time I read a passage now, I'm looking to see where there's... Uh, 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 the word exponential, where that theme can be applied. And Jesus is talking about it right here. He's, he's God. You know, he talks about a seed, unless a seed falls from the ground, uh, falls from the tree to the ground and dies, it cannot bear much fruit, right? So we're talking about one person with the choice to preserve and bless himself. That's one versus the other option, which is to die, to surrender, and then to literally multiply so that other trees and, and you know, groves of fruits can be planted, right? But it's hard for the disciples to see that. You know, uh, Jesus, you're here. You're the best thing. I, I can't imagine you not, you know, anything changing. But Jesus says, no, I have to go. I have to die. In my dying comes an exponential birth or multiplication of believers. Not only that, Jesus at this point you know, can be at one place at one time. Um, you know, he can convey and communicate and touch. The picture that Jesus has, the plan that the, the Trinity, that God from the origin creation had all along, is that every son and every daughter at any time and in any place can have an encounter with God. And so they don't get it, but there's going to come, Jesus is, is, is uh, prophesying, is speaking about a time where the Spirit of God can come on every individual, even if from this room you were to disperse and go into different parts of the town or home or city or workplace, that each of us is a living temple. The presence of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And where we can make that type of exponential impact in a world that's literally falling apart and dying. You know, uh, uh, believers brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, we are called to be the salt and light. We are the preserving agents. And that's because the Spirit of God lives in us. We can cry out, Abba, Father. We can cry out, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to come. Um, there's one Jesus, but now as a result of his death, every believer has the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, Jesus has been multiplied. There's the, the bread, right? The feeding the 5,000 that was broken. There, it was insufficient. There wasn't enough. But somehow, every time you break it, everyone got fed. A piece of the, you know, of the, of the heavenly bread was being uh, dispersed. And everyone got to eat of it. And everyone got to be filled. And so Jesus is a picture of that bread that keeps breaking and multiplying. And everyone gets a piece of it. And everyone gets filled. Um, and so, you know, just this morning, uh, you know, a couple things for us to kind of uh, uh, chew and meditate on. You know, where, where is your grief? You know, where is your struggle? Um, where might the Holy Spirit be asking you to surrender or die uh, in the sense of letting go? Um, it's not easy. The disciples at one point heard it, heard it, heard it, probably rejected it, rejected it. It didn't fit into their sort of construct or plans. 
But at one point they had to surrender. And even if they didn't surrender, it was taken from them. Jesus was literally torn and taken from them. And then they're like, what is going on? And then I think they, you know, they were reminded of all the things and then they came back. And so where, where might possibly um, you know, the Lord uh, be making an invitation? It, you know, maybe it doesn't sound as um, you know, inspiring, right? But where might he be asking for us to let go or surrender? Uh, uh, where have we been grieving? Where have we been having to let go and die? And then here's the second question. The second question, and more importantly, where in our death, where in our surrendering can Christ be elevated and multiplied? Right? In, 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 in our faith in Christianity, it's never just about dying and letting go. But when we die and let go and surrender to God, then we begin to see, maybe not immediately, but in faith over time, we begin to see how through that dying, through that relinquishing, through that surrendering, God somehow opened up and multiplied other visions or opportunities. Maybe not the ones that we had lined up. Maybe not the ones that we had, you know. Uh, but how does he then begin? How do you then, you know, another way to say it is, in the places in the past where you've had to surrender, right? And, and I think every mature believer has had to go through that process. And it might not be immediate, but as you look back now, how can you then begin to connect the dots and see how God was maybe working through that and how through that, even through that difficulty, God was able to bring uh, life or blessings, maybe even to others, right? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do some more teaching on that this Sunday about community, about making commitment, uh, about vulnerability. I think that's a key component of community, you know, whether it's house church, whether it's you know, a ministry, uh, but just having uh, uh, this key factor element of vulnerability. It's so hard, right, to, to come before people and share your, your openness and, and brokenness. But we, we, we see that when that happens, that people are so blessed and people are so encouraged. And then they're able to learn or grow from that. Um, and so Jesus is, is being vulnerable. He's saying, I, I'm going to be let go. I'm going to be in the hands of my oppressors. And then they're going to crucify me. But don't worry. Through that death, God is going to bring infinite life for all time. And, and today we sit here because we are uh, benefactors of this promise that one day the Holy Spirit would come. And every single one of us who's professed Jesus as Lord and Savior is living proof. You're living proof that Jesus is alive because the scripture says, unless the Holy Spirit leads you, you cannot even say Jesus is Lord. So, so the fact that you are a believer and profess Jesus as Lord, if you said, Jesus, come into my life, Jesus, as Lord, the fact is, scripturally speaking, that means you've already had an encounter, you've already heard the Spirit, and we are living in the times that Jesus had uh, foreshadowed and spoken of, where the Spirit will come and prompt us. And so we go out today, you know, and uh, you know, we, we have a great morning devotion, and you know, our hearts are excited for God, and then we go out, uh, a temptation comes after lunch or something and we say or we do something unbecoming and then it hits us. Oh, dang. Oh, we, we, you know, I remember Pastor Sam talking about you know, forgiveness or having patience and I totally lost it. That's good. That's, that's actually good, a good thing. I, I, people beat themselves up for like making a mistake or, or falling into temptation or sinning. But then the fact that in that next moment, there's a turnaround. There's like this conviction in your heart 
I'm like, man, I know I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I could have said that differently. Or maybe I could have been more loving or in my choice of words. That's, that's actually a good sign. That's actually the Holy Spirit. That's actually the Lord saying, hey, slow down. Hey, take, take, a, take a step back. And maybe you need to shore up this relationship. What's dangerous is when we go through a process and we do whatever we want and we get no prompting. Nothing stops us. And there's no you know, a, a, a pause or no wonder or no, no conviction or no sense of sorrow, you know. Um, and so conviction is good. Conviction is a sign that the Holy Spirit is right there next to you, right? Even if it's been a long time conviction, <laughs> that's actually still a good sign. It means God is still tugging at your heart. The moment that the conviction is gone and you, you don't actually feel or sense anything, that's the moment you should worry. That's like you read the Bible, you hear a sermon, uh, uh, you sing a song, and, and you know what's, what the scripture says, do or don't do. And yet there's no sort of remorse or no sort of sense of, oh, should I? That's the moment where you want to go like, Pastor Sam, can you pray for me? Right? But obviously, you know, we don't want to get to that part. You know, that's, that's bare minimum. Man, we got the Holy Spirit. We call on his name. Jesus promised that he would come. Jesus promised that he would come to you individually, personally, and that you would have an encounter with him and that he would guide you. And even if you read the Bible and it doesn't all make sense to you, that he would give you clarity, that he would help you to make those connections and that he would be your teacher uh, you know, through the Spirit. Amen. Um, so let's, let's bow our heads this morning. Let me just, uh, uh, this morning once again, um, you know, where is the Lord, uh, you know, allowing grief? He doesn't, he's not the source of grief or the cause of grief, but, you know, where, where is there grief in our life? Where, where are we being stretched? Where, where have you been asked to surrender or, or let go or die? I know that it's not easy. Jesus knows that it's not easy. Your father knows that it's not easy. And then secondly, where in your death or surrendering can you see that Christ is being elevated? That Christ has been multiplied, even in your own heart and maybe in the lives of those around you. Jesus says, he says this to his disciples. He makes his charge, right? Call on my name. Call on the Holy Spirit. And that same charge rings true today. Call on the name of Jesus this morning. Call on the Holy Spirit. It is a, it is a weapon. It is, it is the presence of God. It is what changes the world today. It is what changes your life today. Call on His name. Yes, come to Bible studies. Yes, go to house church. Yes, come to EMPs. Yes, you know, start prayer groups. But call on His name. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. I need you now. He makes that invitation and He's made that promise that He will come to you. And so let's just come before the Lord this morning.